podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Um, so I haven't been able to wrestle for the past few months, um, but my knee's feeling a lot better now. So I'm hoping to get back to wrestling in the next four, six weeks, maybe, um, depending on how well I heal up and how that works out for me. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just trying to get strong again, you know, um, seeing how that works. Um, what's really annoying, though, is <laughs> as I was training, getting my strength back in my legs and feeling good again, I ended up doing my back in. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just the way it goes. But my back always away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose the thing is, I wasn't moving much for a couple of months, um, so my whole body broke down a little bit as opposed to just my legs. But then when I was rehabbing, I was just focusing on my legs. Went back to squatting, and uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it'll get better. I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's the same. Yeah. So when you were um. Like when you were a kid, what were the what type of wrestling did you watch then? Like oh, WWF. Or... Yeah, to be honest, right when I was a kid, I would watch all the wrestling that I could get my hands on, because um, we didn't have Sky, so um, it was like so. Uh, I think Royal Rumble '95. Uh, me and my pal put money together to buy that from Woolworths, and then we watched that again and again and again, um, and then it was like. There's some WCW on sporadically, I think, on Channel 4. Uh, we'd watch that. Um, literally anything. Um, and then big, big into it in from sort of 96, 97, um, where a pal of mine that had Sky would tape it, and then that tape would do the rounds. You know? um, yeah, it's the same as me. I used to get, get my neighbour to tape on that on a Monday. And just uh, just watch it on the video. Then is the only way you could get it was on Sky. And in them days, not everyone had Sky. But uh, yeah. So when did you? How old were you when you started wrestling? Um, Like yourself. So I started training when I was fifteen. Yeah. So I, me, me and my pal Matt, we went to a show at Warsaw Town Hall for K Star. Um, and we were there, 15-year-olds, at, at the end of the show. We went up to the wrestlers, and, like, before the show came to town, we'd spent months now looking on the K-Star website, reading the profiles of the wrestlers. We knew all their special moves and everything that they did. Like, you know, we were we were well gender, and we turned up at the end, and we watched the show. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and then we turned up to the two fellas with a ring, and we... Uh, <laughs> We quite arrogantly walked over to him and said, oh, we're better than you, pair." <laughs> they were like, oh, who do you wrestle for? And we're like, oh, UVW. That was our backyard fed. <laughs> we're like, oh. They started talking about how, you know, backyarding's bad and how somebody's going to get hurt. And they invited us in the ring afterwards. So the ring had already been stripped down to just the boards. And... um these fellas had me and Matty bumping. They they taught us to fall on our backs and but this was <laughs> this was on just boards. So 
Uh, I, I think they were probably half cut, if I'm completely honest. But um, yeah, they did that <laughs> and told us about their training school. So we turned up to uh, the future championship wrestling training school the following Sunday. Cutting out again. It's breaking, is it? Yeah, just a little bit. Hmm. So, what was it future championship wrestling school that you were trained yeah, at? Yeah, well, I, I started there. Um, so, I we spent about six months there, um, and there were guys like Spud, Dave Morales. Uh, sorry, Dave Mastiff now. Um, yeah, those were the guys that went there that kind of went on to, to some things. Um, yeah. Some good names. I like the um, the NX. Yeah, yeah. The, the UK stuff is good. Dave Masters. Yeah, yeah. They're the guys that have gone on to, to do some things. Um, but yeah, so I stayed there for about five, six months. Um, and being 15, I thought I, <laughs> I, thought I knew best. And... Um, Went on to uh, K-Star Wrestling Training School because I thought I wasn't getting the opportunities which I, I, I thought that yeah. I was due. Obviously, I wasn't due them. But I figured, you know, I was, I was as big as the guys that were on the shows, the adults. Um, in training, I felt that I was putting in as much as them. But I, was, I wasn't being afforded any opportunities or anything. Or, you know... I felt I was due a rumble at least, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah. So I started training with K Star then, and I got my uh, got my debut with those guys within a couple of months uh, on an academy show in front of maybe twenty people. Done that. Um, I also got to, before that they had me as a bodyguard because I was big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking around. In, it would have been what two thousand and one. Maybe with um, with a suit on and a headphone in my ear, sunglasses on, hair slicked back, like uh, <laughs> you're the bad guy from the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so I'm walking around like him, being a bodyguard for Salamaritana, and uh, you could hear people in the audience all doing impersonations like Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> I'm forgetting. <laughs> This is the bollocks, this is. <laughs> yeah. We love it, that. Yeah, it was fantastic. Got yeah, to get in the ring in front of like 500 people there. Took a drop kick off Danny Devine for the finish. Wicked. Wicked. Loved it. Yeah. And um, I think that was then. It was kind of like, yeah, this, this is me. This is what I want to be. Um, yeah. Like Before that, I'd done some acting and um, sort of toured around with... You know, the kind of, the acting that goes into schools and does plays on, like, bullying and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I know. So I'd, I'd done that as a kid um, until about 16. But then this was something different. This was this was performing, but also creating the performance, you know, like, the character was mine. What What's happening in the match we're talking about and, you know, devising and... It, it, was, it seemed like much more of a creative outlet. And I just thought, oh, this is wicked. That was the end of acting and um, the start of this wrestling business. Yeah. So when you first started, then after that, did you were you Alice then, or did you have uh, different names before that? So um, when I very first started, I went on as 
callous, simply callous. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm emotionally hardened and or unfeeling. Yeah, callous, that's me, cool. <laughs> um, so I, I did that for the first maybe three, four shows. Um, but then I figured I needed a first name. So uh, <laughs> I, I literally went through baby name websites, reading <laughs> names. What what goes with Callus? If my surname's Callus, what could it be? What could it be? And uh stumbled across Cade and I was like, Yeah, Cade Callus. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, so you just you didn't have any uh, like embarrassing or funky uh, funky names before. Um well I, I was ribbed a couple uh, of times. Before, it was just so um in in training, uh so where I used to go around uh with Mad Dog Max and so basically I was his his understudy, you know. Uh we went to shows together, we'd wrestled, yada yada yada. And um so a couple of times I came as like a big Cade Calhoun, Calhoun Callus, because we found the name Calhoun funny. And uh <laughs> but, but no, I, I always made the most of it, so I'd be like I'd walk out and I'd be shit like, come on, give it up for Calhoun and try and get everyone chanting Calhoun, 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 just to give the boys a a, a buzz, you know, and it great fun. Yeah. Well, whatever, man. The, the name doesn't doesn't really matter so long as people give a toss about what you're doing in the ring and yeah, the, the name's secondary. That's it, yeah. The um about Cade Callis is cause obviously like came across the video uh which you filmed not far from where you all live like uh the kid callus and it was like in in a park from round here and it was really good but it wasn't that that was too um creative though as well it was reminded me a bit of like what you see with like bray one like that just like in the woods and it was just a bit bit funky and but um, that was to do with the um your, your infamous feud, isn't it? With the, I forget his name now. Uh, Lembic. So what was the uh, what was the story with him? How did you how did he how did you end up in a, with a um, politician? Well, I, so what happened is in Welshpool, that was kind of like a joint venture with some music promoter that lived in Welshpool and Alan, the promoter of Welsh wrestling. So the the Welsh pool promoter knew Lembitopic, where he was the MP for that area. And um, they just, between them, came up with this plan where Lembit was going to get involved and it was going to get publicity and it was going to, you know, it was going to be big. Lembit was going to be in the papers. He'd get that and we'd get a sellout show from it, basically. Um, so when he first came in, he was... It was very respectful and kind of like, yeah, and anything I can do. And um, so what happened? So he he started giving me jip in the crowd. And so I gripped him, threw him in the ring, and we G'd up a match for the following month, maybe six weeks' time, something like that. So yeah. we G'd it up. We set a date. It was like, right, there's going to be a tag team match, right? Uh, there was me, Yestin Reese from uh, World of Sport, um, Bison Brody, 
and and Lembitopic, right? So th this was all mm -hmm. set up on the premise that Lembit was going to get himself to a wrestling school, learn some basics, keep himself safe, um, basically not embarrass the sport of professional wrestling, be able to put a show yeah. on. So we're all, yeah. we're all up for that. It's like, oh, wicked. So a bit of star power, somebody that is going to put some effort in and we're all going to do something that's really good. Brilliant. Um, so six weeks turn up and Lembit hasn't managed to get to a wrestling school at all. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he's, he's done nothing. And um, at the time, I was so serious about pro wrestling. It was just after I had a trial with the WWE, you know, so I was well up for it. And I was like, well, look, we're not, we're not embarrassing professional wrestling. We're not taken away from the show. There's no way I'm going to do something that isn't 100% legit. And if, if you can't protect yourself, then that's on you, buddy. That's on <laughs> you. <laughs> so, um, we, so it, it's not that I went hard on him. I just went the same as I would on anybody else, but where yeah. he's a 45, 50 year old fella at the time and hadn't taught to protect himself in any way, he ended up uh, ended up taking some knots, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which was great for the papers, you know? <laughs> and it's like a yeah, YouTube video with papers quite all a few over. hits and stuff. So that was kind of my my little 15 minutes of fame. So I had newspapers that somehow got hold of my phone number and they're asking to interview me as I'm like walking to the shops and stuff. And I thought, oh, oh, oh I'm going to be on Celebrity Big Brother this year. This is amazing. <laughs> but I... That's mine, isn't it? But who, I, you know, loads of people would like to throw a politician around a bit anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I guess... On the bucket. And what was oh, wicked yeah. is that kind of... It allowed me to be creative as well. So, like, me and a pal of mine made that video that you said that you saw, and we got to do something a little bit cinematic yeah. and try and get my character across and get a point across and sell the match, which I guess at the time wasn't really being done in British wrestling, you know? Uh, British wrestling posters and shows, and that was it. There was very little in terms of kind of promotional work or... Um, cinematic vignettes and things like that like you see a lot more now um i guess because it's so much easier to create videos yeah, and edit and stuff like that whereas back then well streaming and uh streaming and youtube have kicked off so so much that it doesn't matter what what promotion it is or how big or small they are it's you've got the capabilities to put videos out and and actors and different stuff and storylines even if you just do shows month to month and it's not you know it's not on tv or anything like that you can you can do stuff to enhance it and like the hardcore following of you know every sort of promotion no matter how big or small all it is has got you know they've got their hardcore following who or who go to O's every time they come into you know come into town and you just hope that it sort of spreads and the more people who care, the better, I guess. And it's, uh, no, you, you're absolutely right. Um, I guess as far as that's concerned, though, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur. So I, 
Although intellectually, right, I know how important uh, a brand is and how important putting stuff online is and, you know, just keep that brand exposure. That's the word they use, isn't it? brand exposure. Um, yeah. In in my dinosaur of a wrestling brain, I think, right, wrestling's about bums on seats, a full hall, um, you know, putting on a great show and getting those people to come back, return business. So if you make people care about characters, they'll come back when you're there in two months' time because they want to see what happens with those characters. They want to see what happens when the big baby face that's won for the past three shows goes against a big villain that's won for the past three shows. So simple, simple stories that people almost come up with themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people are filling in the blanks, aren't they? It's just, I, see, um, I see a lot with... the. Um, like on Twitter, like WWE, is if they book stuff which doesn't or is missing, so you see people just filling in the blanks themselves and saying, "Oh, this is what it means, and this is this is what they're supposed to be." The impression they're trying to give, and I mean, at the end of the day, what you want is you want the heels, you want the crowd to want to see them get beaten because if you've got a heel who's doing whatever he's doing, if all the people in that audience want to see him take a beat in, then he's done his job. And I think I think it's harder to do that these days than it was in the, the 90s and early 2000s because you watch wrestling wherever you watch it now and so often the heels are the, are the slightly cooler characters and they've got a bit of edge to them, a bit more personality. So then people tend to gravitate towards the the characters which are portrayed as heels. I, I guess the thing is, when, when you're a heel, you've got a, free, a certain freedom because you're out there to be disliked. So you can do what you like and then do dick stuff as well. Um, whereas I think as a baby face, because, because your job is to be liked, then you can't risk upsetting people. So you, it's difficult to be that character. I guess it's why the most successful baby faces started out as heels, developed a character from there, and then went from there, like Stone Cold, for instance. If Stone Cold came in in, what, 95, 96, and was told, Steve, you're a baby face, and went out being like smiley, clappy, happy Steve, then we would never would have got Stone Cold. Whereas those kind of edgy promos on Bret Hart and, you know, you talk about your John 316s. Well, Austin 316 said, I, I just whipped your ass. You know, it's that a baby face never would have said that. But Stone Cold, as no. he was there, as this vicious, doesn't give a fuck redneck, he can give that promo. And it was awesome. You know, it's it, he's afforded that yeah, freedom. Yeah, what he did as well. Yeah, it's what he did is he progressed it, didn't he? He's, where he was a heel. So very little limitations. He could say what he wanted. And then he, as the crowd started to get behind him, he didn't really change, change his character that much. He just, so he progressively, improved, which went on to be like the greatest of all time. Yeah. He was never like, like you see some of the matches on now. He was never, you know, doing all the flips and the moves that you see now, but people cared. Yeah. Well, what he did looked real. Right, and I guess the character seemed real. Yeah. 
So, he, so the, the character was allowed to be born in this heel mold where he can kick off and say all this cool, edgy shit. And when you're when, basically when he's being a heel, he's throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? So he's he's being stone cold and you know, they cheer for this, they're booing for this, they're cheering for this, they're booing for this. And then after that match with Bret Hart, where everybody decided that he was a heel, where he passed out from the pain of the sharpshooter, there's blood, the the iconic image, right? So then instead of yeah, doing more yeah. of the shit that people are booing, he's like, okay, so all that stuff that they're cheering, we're going to keep that and we're going to build on that. And then he's got a solid foundation where he knows a load of stuff that people love and he can be Steve Austin and then keep throwing shit at the wall. You know, he's got this basic of, you know, that's and that's the bottom line. And then what? How awesome was what? You know, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Just one, one word. It's one of my, one of my favourite gimmicks of all time, that is. Absolutely. It's but like, fun. I think that's what they... It's fun. Yeah. But what they got, I think they failed to do what they did then. They did it with The Rock as well. They When they brought The Rock in as... Um, Rocky Maivia, he came in, they, they thought he was going to be this big baby face, and everyone hated him. So they turned him heel, turned him into the corp, did all the, all the stuff with that, and then turned him baby face. And I th think that's what they needed two years ago with when Reigns was turn him heel. Yeah. Make it anyway. And then turn him line and everyone would have liked him. It was so they was so, like, some of the stuff was cringeworthy because he was getting so much shit off the crowd while giving these baby face promos. And I felt genuinely sorry for like the guy. I'm sure his you know, his bank balance made him feel better, but like he he was putting his heart and soul into this character. And the audience were just not, they were just like, no, nah, shut up. And I think it's difficult then as a performer I, because you want to believe in what you're saying, don't you? I, I would imagine as a wrestler, if you can believe the promos and you can believe your character, it's a lot easier to go and cut a promo than it is if you just feel like you're reading a script. Yeah, I, I get that. But then you know, I, I wouldn't want to second guess what the bookers of the WWE are putting out because... At the end of the day, they're producing a product which is seen by yeah. so many people. You know, it, it makes so much money. Millions, um, millions, isn't it? And, yeah, you know what? You, you're right. It, it would have been entertaining if Roman had turned villain and went on a a bit of a streak and, you know, and, and did all that entertaining stuff. But I guess where WWE and, say, Coronation Street are different is that there's not Ken Barlow T-shirts. So if Ken Barlow's your baby face... And there's millions of kids buying Ken Barlow t-shirts. You, you're a bit hard pressed to turn him villain, you know. Um, and I guess it's the yeah, same that's it, in wrestling. It? Although the a lot of the adult fans were booing Roman. My kids, for instance, thought Roman was cool as fuck. Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, and he hits that punch, yeah. and it's so cool. Yeah. And he wears those trousers. And Dad, can you do a Superman Jesus. punch? I'm like, nah. Can't really do a Superman punch. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I wasn't a fan of him. I like my per, my favorite 
in the WWE these days is Bray Wyatt. I just because I find him just interesting, and I just find him like he's just so indifferent to everything else which is on there. But, um, yeah, it's this character, isn't it? It, it? it didn't matter what character it is; it could be anything. It's if it's money. Doesn't matter if it's you know like a small promotion or a big promotion, wherever. Whoever it is, the audience to care about the wrestlers because if they don't, you can't progress. You can't make go to bigger venues, saying what you're doing. You need people to care. And I guess as like bookers and uh, like whatever it is, that's the, that's the the biggest challenge is trying to get people to care. And I suppose, especially if you have people show with like a family member or a friend who are, a bit, who are a bit like, oh, wrestling, oh, that's fake up or this or that, and they're not really a fan, they're the ones which are hardest to rope in. So I was going to ask you this question. If, um, if you had to show someone who's a non-wrestling, any clip from over the years to try and turn them into a fan, what would you show them? Um, I I don't know. It's a it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one because it's like, do you show him Mick Foley jumping off or being thrown off the top of the hell in a cell and say like, oh look at that? Um, do you show him something more athletic? You know, like uh, yeah, it's it's tough, and I guess a, a match in itself isn't the whole thing, like. You show somebody just the fight scene from Rocky and nobody gives a fuck. It's just a boxing match. But with with the two hours before, with, you know, Rocky's rise and, you know, pick from obscurity and, you know, all, all that, all that build-up, it's the build-up which makes the match matter. So I think a match in and of itself is difficult to show somebody. Whereas, you know, like, so my favourite match of all time is... Shawn Michaels Undertaker, the first one from WrestleMania. Uh, the, the more, so the recent two from WrestleMania before uh, Shawn retired. And that match, to me, is cool as, and the build-up's awesome with uh, just the whole highlights package. That's cool. Um, so I'd maybe show that. Or uh, Austin Rock from, I think it's WrestleMania 18. Yeah. With... with the Limbiscuit build-up video, that, that's cool as well. That's yeah, cool. It's, very, it's so good. Those those like little preview packages before the matches, especially at WrestleMania. Even if it's a match, which you like, you know, they just got this talent of making those videos and the music fits. And my favorite is I, I like um, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels, where Flair. Begs him to super kick him, and he's like crying because he knows this is his last. Just like, but then if you just give, gave that match to someone to watch without all the build up, they'd be like, well, "Why is this? I didn't make?" It? And but if you watch the whole build up to it, and like Ric Flair retiring and all that type of thing, it's like a big old yeah, well, story. Context is key, isn't it? So you look at that match, and it's just two older yeah. men having a scrap. But when you look at it in the context of 
these are two of the very best wrestlers of all time over the past 30 plus years and they've done everything they beat everyone um they've had this feud going on for a while um and you know and you're thinking this is huge this is one of the most decorated careers in all of professional wrestling potentially ending you know then all of a sudden that those two older guys fighting takes on so much more um and i think unless, unless somebody's invested in that and all the backstory it's difficult for them to get into it um so get into it it's, it's hard to and in that because you can't uh, you can't you haven't got the context to go and become emotionally invested in the characters or the story because it's just two guys slugging it out and, and rather than like and everything in between That's easy. You, with wrestling you can on different so levels much, um, there's like an athletic contest and you know basically a stunt show you can enjoy a 10 12 15 minute match of two guys putting on an incredibly aesthetically pleasing show, a performance. And that's cool. That's cool. And then you move on or you can watch a Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, where they're crying at the end. And it's, it's almost like poetry, you know, when that super kicks come in and Shawn's like, I'm sorry. And Rick's like, come on, come on, do it, do it, do it. You look, ah, you know, it it gets you right in the fields. Podcast Network.